Turn with me to two openings, please. First Peter, the second chapter, and also Luke chapter 14. First Peter 2, and then we'll go over to Luke 14. We started on a, a subject a few weeks ago, and I want us to continue on it. We're calling it Love's Sacrifice. Love's Sacrifice. In 1 Peter 2 and 5 in the Amplified, he said, Come and like living stones be yourselves built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. We've been made priests unto our God. What do priests do? They offer sacrifices. And he talks about acceptable sacrifices. The easy to read translation says it like this. You also are like living stones. And God is using you to build a spiritual house. You are to serve God in this house as holy priests, offering him spiritual sacrifices that he will accept because of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Can we give something to the giver, the Almighty, that he would receive from us and accept from us? That's a high thought, giving something to the giver. Right? And yet, the Bible teaches that we are made unto our God priests, and as such, we are to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. What is a sacrifice? Well, a simple definition of sacrifice is something that costs you. <laughs> You can't keep it and give it, right? A sacrifice in, uh, under the first covenant, an agrarian society, people's wealth consisted of their flocks and their crops and their herds. And they would come and bring a lamb or a bull. Well, this is money. Right? This is part of your income for the year. This is part of your livelihood, your savings. And when you give this bull, you not only give him and the value of him, the money you could have got from selling him, the meat you could have got from the slaughter, you also give all of the calves he won't gender in the future. It costs you something. Right? And we've been talking about this. Go with me to Luke, the uh, 14th chapter. Luke chapter 14. And about verse 26. And I'll read this in the CEV, the complete English version. Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father, your mother, your wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters. You cannot come with me. You can't 
follow me and be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your own life. Keep reading. You cannot be my disciple unless you carry your own cross and come with me. Does it sound like it could cost you something? (laughs) No, it's going to cost you. (laughs) And not just a little. Keep reading in verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. What's the first thing you'll do? We're going to build a word production center over here. What do you reckon we've already been doing? We got a good idea. Already. Actually before we ever announced it. Of some things it's going to cost here. And what it's going to cost there. And and, uh, we're not going to try to do this. (laughs) We're not going to make a good attempt at it. We're not going to give it our best. By the help of the Lord, we're going to build it and finish it and equip it. If it wasn't right to do it, we shouldn't even be beginning on it. But if it is right to do it, it's right to finish it. And so the first thing you do, once you sit down and figure out how much it will cost. And if you have enough money to pay for it. (laughs) Keep reading. Otherwise, you'll start building the tower but not be able to finish. And friend, this is not just true about building buildings. You see people who start but don't finish. I don't care what it is you're talking about. What kind of project, what kind of involvement, what kind of effort. When you start and don't finish again and again, it was because of this. They didn't count the cost before they started and they didn't make the commitment to pay the cost. It's going to cost you something. (laughs) And this is not so popular preaching. As some other. And we have a whole group. Of church folks. That that I call. No sacrifice saints. (laughs) They're only interested. In benefits. They're only interested. You know tell me. How to get my healing. Tell me how to become prosperous. Tell me how to be protected. Tell me how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and you got, you got a group of folks that to them, suffering is a bad word. And we, we can't talk about that. We've been delivered from all suffering. And we're not supposed to have any inconvenience or anything that <laughs> just fun. <laughs> And plenty. And then you got another group. That's all they talk about suffering. Right? (laughs) That you know man. That's being a Christian. And they accuse you know. Folks like you and I that believe in some blessing. And benefits uh, of being in error. Because we don't talk about suffering all the time. Which one's right? Which one's right? Well the Bible talks about blessings. And benefits. And being redeemed. And the same Bible talks about. Suffering. And sacrifice. What did Jesus say? He said if you're going to follow me. It's going to cost you. Did he say it? Oh but friend. What the Bible tells us. That the cost. Is not even worthy to be compared. To the pay. (laughs) Oh it's going to cost you. Not just a little. 
But, oh, not only is it worth the price, the price is not even worthy to be compared with the pay. Hallelujah. You ready to talk some more about this? In Colossians, the first chapter, go there please. I'm excited about this. I believe we can deal with some things that some people have kind of danced around and avoided and get some really solid answers. We ought to, how many think we ought to love all the word? You know, uh, some word and faith people have been what they've accused other people of that they said these other folk, well, you just got this little rabbit trail of scripture that you go down and that's all you talk about and believe and you don't look at anything else. Well, some word and faith people have been the same way. They got their scriptures on healing. They got their scriptures on prosperity, their scriptures on faith. Uh, and if you don't want to talk about that, well, you know, but all the scriptures are good and all the word is true. And it all, if it's right, it has to agree. Right? It all agrees. Notice Colossians, the first chapter. Colossians 1 and verse 24. Colossians 1. This is a verse that sometimes folks have not understood very well. Let's back up just a little bit. He was talking about Jesus in verse 22, how in the body of his flesh through death, he presented us holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If we continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Paul's now talking about himself in verse 24 when he says, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. I want you to say those three words out loud, sufferings for you. And he said, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you. Everybody say for you. For you. To fulfill the word of God. Now what does that mean? That he is uh, filling up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ. What does that mean? Listen to some other translations. The Amplified says it like this. I rejoice in the midst of my sufferings on your behalf. You'll find this phrase in the book of Peter. Suffering according to the will of God. There is a suffering that is not according to the will of God, contrary to the will of God, and there is a suffering according to the will of God. Now when people hear the word suffering, so many times their mind runs straight to being sick. But no, there are many kinds of suffering and many ways of suffering. And in the passage that's talking about suffering, one of the passages that talks about suffering according to the will of God in 1 Peter 2, 
I think it's remarkable that that same passage ends up by saying, by his stripes you're healed. (laughs) To me, it's just a strong reminder that the Lord is saying, I'm not talking about you being sick. Why? Because by his stripes, he paid for that. But there's other ways to suffer besides being sick or being broke. Here's a big one. Not getting your way. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Can you suffer? <laughs> Not getting your way? Woo! <laughs> that may be for another time. <laughs> but Paul talks about his sufferings. And I'll just jump ahead and we'll see this as we go back. But one of the chief things, one of the main things he's talking about when he's talking about him suffering is suffering persecution. He said, yea, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We've been redeemed from suffering from the curse of the law. All that's mentioned in that. Deuteronomy 28 talks about that. We've been redeemed from suffering those kind of things. We have not been redeemed from suffering persecution. In fact, we've been told very plainly, if you live godly and you follow the Lord fully, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer persecution. I know years ago, I was in the floor of our little home there in Tulsa. And praying in the middle of the night, the Lord awoke me, and it was strong on my heart. And I went out in the left the bedroom, and I went into the living room, and I just I'm in the floor, flat out in the dark, uh, praying. And man, my heart was so stirred, and I just saw in my spirit there is light and there is revelation that we need that we can get. And I was asking the Lord for it. I said, Lord, I I want it. Not just for me, but for whoever you could use me to get it to. I want This was decades ago. And Lord, I, I want it. I want it. And I cried out for it. And I asked him for it in Jesus' name. And he spoke to my heart. I, I, after an hour or so of this, he spoke to my heart. He said, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> he said, but it's going to cost you. See, he talks to you the way you understand. What does that mean? Well, some people are going to be happy about it. And other people are going to write you ugly letters. <laughs> right? Some folks are going to be blessed. And other people are going to cuss you. And call you everything but a nice fellow. Right? <laughs> but you know they did that to Moses. They did that to Jesus. Come on. They did that to Paul. So you're in good company. <laughs> Just make sure you're not suffering because of your own mistakes. Because there's no reward for that. And there's no glory in it. Peter talks about that. If you read 1 Peter and 2 Peter, you'll find the theme, especially in 1 Peter, you'll find the theme is suffering and glory. And you'll find he mentions two kinds of suffering. Don't take my word for it. Read it carefully. You know, 1 Peter's how many chapters? Five? Won't take you little short chapters. Won't take you long to read. Read it looking for these two words. Looking for the word suffering and looking for the word glory. 
And you'll find that's the theme of it. And it'll just come alive to you if you look for that. And you'll see that he mentions two causes for suffering that we've already mentioned. He, he mentions suffering for your own faults. And now that there's no glory for that. And there's no reward in that. But then there's a suffering according to the will of God. And there is glory in that. And there's grace for that. And there's reward for that. And I'm excited because I got a, I can give you a key right now as to how to discern it and distinguish it. It's really, really quite easy. In Colossians here, look at it again. Let me read to you the, uh, the God's Word translation. God's, well, I, I didn't read Amplified, did I? Let's read Amplified first. I rejoice in the midst of my sufferings on your behalf. In my own person, I'm making up whatever is still lacking and remains to be completed on our part of Christ's afflictions. I mean, if that wasn't in the Bible, we'd hardly believe that. What does it mean? For the sake of his body. This is key. Let me read this to you in God's word translation. I'm happy to suffer for you now. In my body, I'm completing whatever remains of Christ's sufferings. I'm doing this on behalf of his body, the church. What does that mean? Completing. Jesus' sufferings can be put in two categories. What he suffered for us and what he suffered as our example. What he suffered in our stead as our substitute, nobody can add to. Ever. The price has been paid. Right? But he suffered also some things as our example, in fact, didn't he tell us, if you do what I say and you follow me, if they didn't accept me, they won't accept you. And if they did this to me, they'll do this to you. Right? Those are the sufferings that he's talking about. What he suffered in our stead, we should never try to suffer, and we don't have to suffer. We've been redeemed from that. But what he suffered as our example, we should follow him and be willing. Right? Willing to suffer, pay the price, right? Whatever it takes to get that done. Paul gives a list in 2 Corinthians and some other places of some of the sufferings he endured. I mean, he was shipwrecked. More than once in all those arduous travels. He traveled in chains as a prisoner. He was beaten with sticks. Why? Why was he beaten with sticks? Why? To prove how pious and holy he was. No. No. Why was he beaten with sticks? Because of what he was preaching. Why was he preaching it? He already had it. He already knew it. He was already saved. So why is he preaching it? 
for the folks that didn't have it. So then when he's being stoned, who's he being stoned for? For the sake of the people that needed to hear it. And he was willing to go through all the stuff. You've read the list, haven't you? Stoned and shipwrecked and and maligned and lied on and betrayed. And and he said, we've been cold and we've been hungry and we've been this and we've that. Why? Why? Not for personal spiritual development. Because see, folks have gotten into a whole tangent of stuff. Suffering and inflicting suffering on their self in some kind of idea that it's how I will develop spiritually and it's wrong. It's actually devilish. How can I tell if I'm really suffering according to the will of God? Something that's right. Here's the question you ask yourself. Who is it Helping. Who is it helping? Because if it is a godly suffering, according to the will of God, it is a sacrifice you make so that somebody gets something. Somebody is helped. Somebody is set free. Somebody is blessed. But this thing of I'm sick, you know, so that I develop in piety. I'm broke. I'm eking out a subsistence because God is working something. That is wrong. I said it's wrong. It's actually devilish and prideful. Millions of people are sick on this planet. Millions. Are they all sick because they're a Christian? Millions of them are not Christians. And they're just as sick as the ones that are. Millions of people on this planet are broke and in poverty. Some devastating poverty. Are all of them broke because they're Christians? Then the Christian's poverty, suffering from lack. What purpose is it? Me being sick... How does that help you? If I'm sick enough, I can't come preach to you. So not only does it not help you, it takes something away from you. It robs from you. Right? I'm not at myself to spend time with my wife, to to my friends and my family. I'm, I'm not able to do my job. Somebody else has to do my job. It's robbing. It's stealing. Who does that? Who steals and kills and destroys? So then that kind of suffering is not according to the will of God. Who's it helping? It's not helping anybody. It's robbing and stealing from people right and left. So it cannot be a godly suffering. Me being broke and can't pay my bills. How does that help you? How does that help anybody? How many think churches ought to want their preachers well paid, well fed, well cared for? Hmm? You don't want them tempted to steal something from the offering because they can't even find a meal. 
How would me, you see, there is this whole, I mean, we're talking whole realms of uh, ministry and uh, I won't go into the detail, but people that have come to the idea that I need to suffer for my spiritual development. And so people deprive themselves and accept deprivation and accept Sickness and disease and lack and oppression and darkness and death. Supposing that somewhere or another God is working something out. Who is it helping? And if it's not helping anybody, you're suffering for nothing. I know it's a strong word. But it needs to be declared, my friends. Why? I want you to notice every time... In these epistles, Paul mentions suffering. He, he uses this word, for you, for you, on your behalf, for your sake, for you. Why did he go through all that? Because that's what it took to get the word to them. That's what it took to get the foundation of those churches laid. That's what it took. Come on, are you listening? And when it comes to that, you and I are to be willing. Come on, we ought to be willing to get up early and stay up late and go to the other side of the country and the other side of the world and empty our accounts and pay a big cost. Pay it all. Paul said, I am willing to spend and be spent. You know what the next words are? For you. Not just to show you how holy I am. I'm developing some way in this spirit. No, it's that's. I know I'm using strong words, but that's junk. It's actually spiritual pride. If you're making a legitimate, godly sacrifice, how could you tell? Somebody's getting helped. Somebody's being helped. You know, if I liquidate some of the stuff I have to help preach the gospel, if I sell some of the things I have, if I miss a meal so that somebody could be helped, their needs are met, that's a good thing. That's a godly thing. But if I'm broke and nobody's getting help and I think I'm godly because I'm poor, that's ignorance. That's deception. I want you to go with me to... uh, 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 2 Corinthians 4. Do you think a lot of folks have gotten this all mixed up? You got folks that say, well, there's, there's not supposed to be any suffering of any kind. <laughs> and then you got folks in the ditch on the other side that said, you know, we're all supposed to suffer, not have anything, and be sick, and somewhere or another God's working something out in our life. No, people are suffering things they've been redeemed from. And then people are not willing to suffer some things they're supposed to pay. Are we supposed to rightly divide the Word of God? How do you rightly divide a verse with another verse? That's where we see the truth. And don't take a truth and try to make it the only truth. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 8, notice this. 2 Corinthians 4 and 8. Paul says, we're troubled on every side. (laughs) 
If that had been some folks today, they'd have wrote him back and said, Paul, you're making a bad confession. <laughs> Don't say that anymore. Yeah, and you wouldn't have a clue about confession except you had read what Paul wrote. So do not correct the man. He's saying it right. Besides that, this is bigger than Paul. The Spirit of God is speaking through the man. Right here. The faith is after the comma. Yet. Right? <laughs> Whether it's faith or unbelief depends on which side of the comma you're on. <laughs> Which side of the yet or the but that you're on? You can say, I know, he said, by his stripes I'm healed, but I feel so bad and I'm just getting worse and I don't think it's going to work. That's unbelief and fear. Or you can say, yeah, I got all these symptoms. It looks worse than it did the last two weeks, but... <laughs> but with long life he's going to satisfy me show me his salvation and by his stripes I am healed right so which side of the yet or the but that you're on determines whether you're in faith or in unbelief how many think he's in faith it's obvious trouble he said we got it <laughs> he just Telling you what's going on. It's on every side. Yet. We are not distressed. How could you have trouble all over the place. And not be distressed. Because you know the greater ones inside you. And you got peace that passes understanding. And you're leaning. And resting. On the everlasting arms. Right. And you believe he, he also wrote. He always causes me to triumph. <laughs> He said, we're perplexed. Not a bad confession. Just a fact. What's perplexed? When I, when I, think, I hear the word perplexed, I think of a cartoon character with a big question mark over <laughs> his head. Which means what? You're going, huh? What is going on? Why is this happening? Why hadn't this happened? Perplexed. Perplexed. You don't know. But here's the thing. Just because you don't know, doesn't mean you have to be depressed. Right. You can be clueless and still have victory. Yes. <laughs> what does that mean? Faith is not based on your understanding. Faith is a choice. Faith is a decision. People go, well, what in the world's going on? You can go, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Why are you still smiling? Because I know somebody. Because I know God. And he's always got me through. <laughs> what are we going to do? Uh, don't ask me right now <laughs> but I know I will know and he will show me and we're going to do the right thing even when you're perplexed you don't have to despair keep reading persecuted <laughs> the Bible tells us we're not supposed to be shocked when we're persecuted we should have known it was coming you do the right thing, you believe the right thing, you live the right way, you stand up for what's right, you preach what's right. You're going to be persecuted. Some folks are not going to like it, and they're going to let you know. <laughs> but you are not forsaken. Not forsaken. Cast down. There can be a situation where you're knocked down. But that's not the end. 
You can get back up. Knock down. One translation says knock down, but not knocked out. (laughs) Knock down, but not destroyed. Keep reading. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Is he talking about some sufferings that he's encountering in doing the will and plan of God for his life? He is. He mentions some things that are not comfortable, that are not easy. Verse, uh, and, and see this, this verse, back up to verse 10, bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that goes with that verse we read in Colossians about filling up the sufferings that are behind. It's a suffering, the, the, uh, according to the will of God, the Lord suffered uh, before us as an example, not what he suffered for us as our substitute. Verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Paul learned when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. When it gets the roughest, it's when I get the extra boost of grace. (laughs) And I got the presence of God with me stronger than it's ever been. Right? Verse 12. So then death works in us. But life in you, keep reading. We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Keep reading. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus will raise up us also by Jesus and present us with you. No matter what's going on, you know the end of the story. Right? Resurrection. No matter what's going on here or how it ends up here, that ain't the end. Keep reading. All things are what? All things are what? All things are what? Why are we going through all this? Why are we putting up with this? Why are we dealing with all this? Why are we paying such a price? Why are we sacrificing all of it? It's for your sake. He's talking to the saints at Corinth. And he said similar things to all the, the churches that were on Why are we doing this? Not to show you that we're holy. Not to deepen our piety. If it's not helping you, it's not right. It's not something we should be enduring. That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Keep reading. For which cause we faint not. For though our outward man perish, you know, all this can take a toll on the body and the outward man. Yet, I mean, faith is, is, uh, which side of the yet? (laughs) You're on. (laughs) Yet, the inward man is renewed day by day. And this man knows what he's talking about. When you've been stoned and left for dead. But you get so quickened in your spirit that you stand up and walk away. And the next day you come back in town and preach some more. He knows what he's talking about. And he's willing to go through that. Why? For their sake. To get the word to them. Are you willing to pay some price? How many think we should be? We should be willing. To sacrifice and pay some price 
to get the job done, to help others. 17, our light affliction. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like this. What's he calling light affliction? Stoning? Getting beat with sticks? Shipwrecked? Marooned on an island? Snake bit? What's he call it? Light affliction. If that's light affliction, what's the stuff you've been dealing with? Ultra light. <laughs> Your and my stuff put together is ultra light compared to that. <laughs> so we need to quit whining and acting like babies about it. Come on, what do you think? Paul was here tonight. You could sit down with him after the service and tell him your problems. <laughs> he said, oh, Paul, so glad I got this chance to share with you. I need to be built up and I, I need you to pray with me. What do you think he'd say? I think he would bellow at you so hard your hair would fly back on. <laughs> he'd say, you don't have any problems. <laughs> All you need is faith in God. that whining what did he say I will very gladly see the, here's the key to victory the joy of the Lord is our strength this moping around dragging around I'm paying such a heavy price so hard you know uh-uh, that ain't it you're doing something but you're not doing the Bible the joy of the Lord is your strength When you can endure this kind of stuff and count it all joy and count it light affliction. Oh, I like it. Don't you like it? Come on, I want somebody to say it out loud. Light affliction. So what's your stuff? Ultra light. (laughs) Ultra light. If his is light. And it's how long? Just for a minute. Just for a moment. It works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Come on, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. We're not looking at our aches. And our pains. We're not looking at the ugly grams. We're not looking at that. We're looking at people getting saved. And people getting help. And the kingdom being built. And what it's going to be after this life. Eternal. So compared to that. These little sufferings. Light. Light. Light and momentary. Light and momentary. Even the yoke. Of the call and service in the ministry. Jesus calls light and easy. My yoke is what? My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Somebody say light and easy. So where are folks coming up with all this hard stuff? Oh, it's so hard. It's it's just so hard. I've had people look at me like they feel sorry for me and go, Oh, brother, I know the weight of the ministry has got to be so heavy on you. Trying to keep up with these churches, these meetings out on the road, and the weight of all this buildings and all this kind of stuff. Oh, brother, I'm, I'm praying for you. 
I have to bite my lip to keep from saying, don't. I don't want you praying that kind of prayer over me. Because I'm actually having a lot more fun than you might think. I have to admit there were times in my life in ministry that I took care and I took the burden and messed up and, and got heavy and lost my joy. Thank God not recently. I'm talking about decades ago. But, and the Lord had to correct me. I had the Lord one time in time of prayer. He, I mean, he chastised me. He said, are you the Savior? I said, no, sir. He said, quit acting like it. Are you the healer? I said, no, sir. He said, quit acting like it. He said, you're not responsible for everybody and everything that happens. Whether people are saved or not or healed or not, you're not the savior. You're not the healer. You're not the provider. You're not the protector. You're responsible to do what I tell you to do. And once you've done that, you cast the care of the rest of it over on me and you enjoy your salvation. And since then until now, I've endeavored to do that. And to keep you from wearing out before your time. And to keep you from preaching grumpy britches sermons. You know what I mean by that? I mean, if I'm all sour and I'm all down and draggy, try as I might, it's going to flavor what I'm preaching to you. It's going to come out like that. And I'm going to preach judgment and condemnation because that's whatever's in you is going to come out. If any freedom's going to get to you through me, there's got to be some freedom in me. Right? Such as you have. That's what you give. Whew. <laughs> he said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. What are we looking at? We're not looking at this light and momentary trouble and problems. We're looking at the eternal weight of glory. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Can we put up with a little stuff for just a little while? To see something so glorious. Be a part of something so wonderful. Something that lasts forever. Certainly we can. Certainly we can. Whew. Go to Malachi. Can you take some more? Hallelujah. Malachi the first chapter. This will arm you. It will protect you and keep you safe from being deceived and winding up disqualified. So make sure you stay awake the next few minutes, right? And uh, get what we're supposed to get here. In Malachi, the first chapter, in verse 7, let's look at the living Bible, the living He said in verse 7, when you offer polluted sacrifices on my altar, polluted sacrifices, they say, when have we ever done a thing like that? Every time you say, don't bother bringing anything very valuable to offer to God. The Lord's really displeased with his priests and his people here. You can see this in Malachi. You tell the people lame animals are all right to offer sick, blind ones, and you claim this isn't evil, 
Try it on your governor sometime. Give him gifts like that and see how pleased he is. <laughs> Keep reading. God have mercy on us, you recite. God be gracious to us. But when you bring that kind of gift, why should he show you any favor at all? I understand just because you're making the right confession, that's not all there is to it. Your heart, your actions are involved. Verse 10. He said, oh, to find one priest among you who would shut the doors and refuse this kind of sacrifice. He said, I wish I had a preacher in the bunch that would shut the doors and say, don't come in here doing this. If that's what you're going to do, we're not going to have service. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord Almighty. I will not accept your offerings. Now, their junk offerings was not all there was to it. That was a reflection of their heart. And God's always looking at the heart. And you'll see that in these next verses. Keep going. Verse 11. My name will be honored by the Gentiles from morning till night. Around the world they'll offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. You begin to see. How many remember the Lord said, those that honor me, I will honor. And honor includes the idea of valuing something, esteeming something weighty and precious and important and valuable. And if you honor him, you think of him and treat his things this way. What you honor is what you value. Keep reading. But you dishonored and you say that my altar is not important. And you're encouraging people to bring cheap, sick animals to offer to me on it. Now notice this next verse. You say it's too difficult to serve the Lord and do what he asks. Did you hear that phrase? It's too hard. That's just asking too much. It's too hard. It's too difficult. To serve the Lord. The message says it like this. You say I'm bored. And this doesn't do anything for me. (laughs) The New Living says. It's too hard to serve the Lord. He said. What King James says. What a weariness it is. Wears me out. And you snuff at it. One translation says. You let out your breath. We know what that means. What does that mean? Gotta <sighs> go to church again. <sighs> Offering time again. <laughs> not, not smart. The Lord is angry. He's very displeased with this kind of heart and attitude. I've had people look at me and say these very words. It's just too hard. I've had people that were helping me in the ministry look at me and say, it's just too hard and leave, quit, leave the ministry, go out into secular work. And on this one occasion, this has been years ago, this one individual I'm thinking about looked me in the eye and said, it's just too hard. It's too hard. 
I saw there's no need for me to try to talk them out of it. They got their mind made up. and So I prayed over them best I knew how. On the way back in my car, I'm asking the Lord for mercy. and I said, Lord, I don't understand that. What? It's too hard. I don't understand that. Help me to see. And I got as much clarity today as I've ever had on it. You know why it was so hard? Because of wrong values. Can you see here, they're not valuing God's offerings enough to even bother bringing anything that's worth anything. And because of that, they find it laborious. And they find it hard. And it's not because it was so hard to do what the Lord asked them to do. Why is it so hard for them? Because they don't value him and his things enough. And they value something else too much. Remember Paul talked to. Do you think Paul's ministry is a good ministry? Do you think if you'd have traveled with him. And heard the preaching. It would have been impressive and amazing. And the miracles. And the signs and wonders. Do you know there were people that traveled with him. That left him. He said, Demas has forsaken me. Why? Having loved this present world, he found it too hard to continue with Paul in the ministry. Why? Because he didn't love it enough. He didn't love the things of God, the word of God, the people of God. He didn't love God enough. He loved the world. There were some things that had his eye that he wanted. And when you say it's it's so hard for me to serve God. It's not so hard for you to serve God. You love something else too much. Because when you love God enough. And you love his things enough. You can go through stonings and shipwrecks. And call it light affliction. (laughs) Right? When you don't love God. The least little inconvenience is too hard. This is just so hard. I just had to give up so much for Jesus. <laughs> Mm-mm. That is a, a dud sacrifice. That's a diseased animal <laughs> that he doesn't accept. In order for it to be acceptable to him, it has to be, what kind of giver does he love? Anybody know? It has to be in joy and gladness and willingness, right? When they're saying it's so hard, it's just, it's so hard to serve the Lord. What a weariness it is. Oh, God help me. This is so hard. It's not so hard. You just are longing for stuff you need to cut off. You want to go back to Egypt? Go to Hebrews, please. The 11th chapter. Thank you, Master, for light. Thank you, Lord, for truth. Thank you, Lord, for revelation. How many understand I did not figure this out? The Lord gave it to us. Hebrews 11 and 24. 
you'll see that it's always been about making the right choice. From Adam and Eve, what was it about? Was it about making the right choice? Did they? No. Elijah said, how long halt you between two opinions? God, God, go with him. Baal's Baal, go with him. I mean all the way down. Jesus, did he struggle day to day in his commitment to the Father? You ever read about him saying to the apostles, y'all pray for me today. I'm just, <laughs> I'm struggling with my faith. I want to serve God, but it's just so hard. <laughs> uh-uh. You know why? Because he lived to please the Father. He's already counted the cost. He's counted the cost to the point there is no price too high to pay. He's willing to go all the way to pay it all down to the last drop of blood. And glad to do it. Glad to do it. And I'm going to know we are made in his likeness and image. And we got that same love in us. And we got that same spirit of faith on us. Come on, are you listening? Can we live the same way? We don't have to mourn. We don't have to cry. We don't have to talk about how hard it is. We can go through virtual hell on earth. Getting this job done. Beatings and stonings and shipwreckings and snake bites. And we can say... It ain't worthy to be compared. (laughs) I'd do it again. And twice as much. Why? Because this is over in another minute. Right? I want you to see somebody who did make the right choice. And he's in Hebrews 11 as an example of making the right choice. Moses. When he was come to years. What did he do? Refused. To be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's another way of saying Pharaoh's grandson. And boy in those days. You talk about a disparity. Between the rich and the poor. They lived on different planets. Almost. Right? I mean. If you were. Part of Pharaoh's family. You didn't even wash your own hands hardly. I mean, rich doesn't describe it. But he refused that. Why? Choosing. Everybody say choosing. Choosing. Did he make a choice? Did it cost him something? But did it pay? (laughs) It cost and it paid. Choosing what? Suffering. Suffering. He chose suffering. He chose dust. Lots of it. (laughs) And griping, grumbling folks. And heat. And cold. And pressure. He chose it. Over the marble palace. And fast chariots. And faster women. 
He could have been partying for decades. And he's out on the backside of the desert believing for enough water for everybody not to die. Believing for wisdom to deal with this bunch. Huh? This is the life he chose. Did it cost him? In some natural things. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. He was right there at the top of the ruling class of Egyptians. He could have hid his Hebrew birth and heritage. He could have wiped it away and just been Egyptian and fabulously wealthy and powerful. Hebrews were slaves. Treated like animals. And worse, no rights. No citizenship. No rights. No wealth. No security. And he chose that. Everybody say chose. Chose. To suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Every one of these words is significant, isn't it? We were with some friends of ours uh, years ago out on the lake boating for a little bit. And it got late in the day and it got dark and we're coming back. And uh, not this lake, another lake. And uh, we came by and there was this bar on the shore. And man, it was lit up and the music was loud. And boy, they were, they were having a party. And uh, yelling and screaming and hollering and hooping and uh, some stuff that wasn't so good. <laughs> and it's dark, you know, there's one good thing. But uh, we're out on the lake. And of course, on the water, you know, sound carries. You can hear sometimes a long ways. And we had uh, our friends and had some of their kids with them. And boy, the kids got up on the side of the boat and they're looking at that and their eyes got this big, you know, and, and, and their mom said, oh, babies, they're not having any fun. <laughs> and I remember the kids looking at me like, and I, they didn't have to say it. I could see it in their eyes. They're like, it sure looks like they're having fun. <laughs> well, the truth is, there is pleasure in sin. The church has not done itself any favors by trying to say otherwise, actually things contradicting the scriptures. If there wasn't some pleasure to sin, people wouldn't be doing it. People are paying huge prices for stuff they're doing in sin. What's the motivation? What's the draw? It's quiet in here. There is pleasure in sin for a little while. There is. And if you love that, and if you think more about getting high, sleeping around, whatever the case may be, if you dream about that, and you, if you feed a desire, it gets stronger. The more you feed that and the more you long for that, the harder it'll become for you to serve God. 
And it's not because it's so hard to serve God. It's because you love something else too much. And you're pulled. And you're vacillating between two. You, you, you're saying you want to go with God, but you want that. And when it comes to these things, you can't have both. I said you can't have both. You go this way, it's going to cost you this. You go that way, it's going to cost you this. Right? And so you have to choose. I said you'll have to choose. You have to make a choice. Don't you? Did Moses make the right one? <laughs> yeah. I bet you his running buddies back at the palace didn't think so. What do you think they said? He has lost his mind. Huh? He wants to be Hebrew. The Hebrews work for us. He wants to roam around out there in the desert with them. But Moses knew it was a choice. He could have pleasure of sin for a season. Or he could suffer with the people of God. Right? Be identified with them. Be treated like them. Do what it took to accomplish God's plan and will. Did God have a plan? Was Moses right in the front of it? Yes. To deliver his people. Was it all easy? Oh man. They went through some stuff didn't they? But Moses made that choice. Keep reading. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Sure, all of us got flesh. Things can pull on you. Even though you know it's wrong, even though you can quote nine scriptures why it's wrong, your flesh can still want to do it. Knowing it's, it's wrong is not enough to deter you from doing it. It's a choice. I said it's a choice. And the only thing that will cause you to make the right choice when part of you is wanting something that you shouldn't have is that you love something else more. Isn't that our text we read? He said you got to love me more than you love mama, daddy, daughter, anybody, your own life. You got to love me more. Got to love me more. And when you love him enough, it's not hard to serve him. Because you're not always looking over at the grass on the other side. (laughs) You're not feeding those wrong desires. Make it easy on yourself. Separate. Cut it off. Make up your mind. I'm not going that way. Oh yeah, it could be fun for a little while. But that's not what I want. I don't want that. And I'm not willing to pay the price of death that comes with sin. Price is too high. I'm telling you, for a few minutes of fun, the bill is too big. It's too big. Keep reading. Esteeming what? What does esteem mean? Value. Valuing, honoring, treasuring what? The reproach of Christ is greater riches than the, all the treasures of Egypt. 
being reproached because you identify with Jesus, the anointed one, is worth more than all the money and all the houses and all the fame, all the sin, all the pleasure of sin. The reproach. We're not even talking about the glory yet. (laughs) The reproach of Christ is worth more than all the stuff in the world. Enlightened people know it. Flesh-ruled people don't. They think a hot night on the town is worth more than their ministry, their family. It's not. I said it's not. It's fun for a few minutes maybe. Child of God that knows much would have trouble even enjoying it for a few minutes because their conscience is going to bother. They know they got light. Right? So it's a fat chance of you even enjoying it. (laughs) When you have as much light as most of you and me do. (laughs) So let's just don't do it. (laughs) The reproach of Christ is greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He is looking past this week. And past this month. He's looking past this life. Are we going to forfeit our future for a dab of excitement right now? Or are we willing to forfeit some stuff that's not worth anything anyway right now for some eternal glory? We're going to sacrifice tomorrow for today or sacrifice today for tomorrow. Go to Romans in closing, I think. Oh, I'm so thankful for the Lord helping us tonight. I I know you don't know how things come up in me and how they come through me, but I'm telling you, if you did know some of it, I think you'd be impressed how much God it is. So much of it I didn't know, I didn't see, I didn't put it together, but it came. It came. The Lord's answering our prayers. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In uh, Romans, the 8th chapter. Romans 8, verse 16. The Spirit itself, or so many translations say himself, bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. If children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that what? That what? That what? We word people now, right? Huh? You like this word too? It's right. It's right. If so be that we what? This is not talking about suffering being made sin. This is not talking about suffering, taking our sicknesses, our infirmities. It's not talking about suffering that he became poor so we could be rich. Those are things he did in our stead as our sacrificial lamb, right? But suffering, being persecuted, suffering, paying the cost to get the job done, that's that's the way of saying bearing our cross. The Lord had his job to do. Part of that nobody could ever do. But part of it he did as an example for us. 
And we can take our cross. And we can pay the price. If we suffer with him in that way. That what? That we may also. That we may be glorified together. Oh friend. He suffered. He paid the price. He set the example. He became like other men. And he has been exalted. Above every name. Set down at the right hand of majesty on high glory. I mean that lasted for a few years for a little while. But this glory has been going on for centuries now. And centuries and is never going to stop. And didn't he say that if we suffer with him. If we do that we're going to also reign with him. He said you're going to sit down with me in my throne he said. Words that boggle the mind. That we may be also glorified together. And verse 18. Verse 18. I want you. Everybody say Romans 8.18. 8, Romans 8.18. 8, 8, Tell your neighbor say 8.18. Romans 8.18. 8, 8.18. 8, 8, what does it say? 8.18. I'd like for everybody in here. In Sarasota. And watching by internet. To be able to quote this verbatim. Without blinking an eye. Huh? You believe you can? Let's practice. Everybody say Romans. Romans. 8.18. What does it say? I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. (laughs) What about all this stuff, dear heart, that you're going through? What about it? You say, I reckon. (laughs) I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. (laughs) Oh, dear one, you've been through so much. You've been, what do you say? What do you say? I reckon. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. Stand up, everybody. Ooh, I about got happy on that. How about you? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.